The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. In the United States of America, it is the week of Thanksgiving. A time to reflect on what we're most thankful for in our lives. A time to be gluttonous and eat a lot of food. A time to watch uh, college basketball, football, apparently the World Cup, and uh talk about baseball transactions uh i'm thankful for for a lot of things on this week most notably all of our listeners and the entire gsbn family which includes you adam adam welcome to the podcast it's been a while how you doing i'm doing okay andrew uh i have been better that probably comes across in my voice for everyone but wow how rude andrew how rude um no, I'm glad to be here to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm, I'm ready to uh, talk about some interesting moves, not unexpected, but also not entirely expected. As the more this Brewers offseason unfolds, I think it's just clear that we don't really have a read on what they're doing, and that is still the pl- the place where we're at now. When they've made a pretty big move, and you're like, oh, okay, we're all set up for a bigger domino to fall at some point, and maybe it will. Or maybe it won't. 
Yeah, was that a spam call on an application I use for work, or was it Matt Arnold calling to tell me about future transactions that are coming down the line? Who's should have to say? The call. Uh, I should have Matt. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Uh, cruising for a bruising debut for GM Matt Arnold. Sadly, not to be. Uh, I think the last we left uh, after talking about starting pitching grade and some of the early moves like Tyson Miller being claimed off waivers and Brad Boxberger's uh, option being declined. Uh, it brushed up against the non-tender deadline, and we have gotten to that point, and it has passed. Some notable moves that came out of that. Uh, three players non-tendered, Trevor Gott, Yandel Gustave, and Luis Perdomo, uh, avoided arbitration with Matt Bush, uh, signed him to that one-year deal, avoided arbitration with Adrian Hauser, signed him to that one-year deal. Uh, but most notable absent, or most notable exit, I should say, from this process and probably the most surprising one was Brent Suter. The Brewers ended up placing him on waivers, and he was claimed by the Colorado Rockies. So Brent Suter, a guy who had been a reliable bullpen arm for a number of seasons. I'm pretty sure if if we're talking about strictly relievers, uh, that sounds right. Uh, sorry, I'm on baseball reference right now, but not looking at his, his tenure. He was the longest tenured Brewer uh, to this point. And uh, obviously a fan favorite, a, a great clubhouse guy, and just reliable for what his job was uh, with the team. And la- I think last season he he led like strictly relievers in innings pitched last year, a three seven eight ERA with sixty six and two thirds innings pitched. So you know he's not an elite shutdown guy, but he's a guy that comes in, uh, does a job, can go multiple innings, and. Uh, I mean, he pitched in 54 games last year. So a, a key cog in that bullpen in terms of depth. And now he's gone. Um, so kind of a, a sad day for Brewers fans just because of how likable he was and all the great things he did in the community. Uh, what are your thoughts initially on, I guess, all of the non-tenders and specifically Suter? Because I think it's the one that's probably the most surprising to us. I, I will say the focus will be on Suter. I will say a little... Little surprise on Trevor Gott. I know there are ups and downs, but there definitely was something there. And considering the approach they're taking to reworking the bullpen, I wouldn't have been opposed or surprised if they decided to retake a look at him for another year. Honestly, Gustave and Perdomo were ones that you could have made a case for keeping. Yeah, I mean, they true. both had high three ERAs. I think probably, if I had to guess, the calculus there was time on the injured list but you know uh sorry which which applies to got to i mean that's yes all three of those guys actually had some pretty nice spells and then they also missed a lot of time and maybe that's i mean to be fair to the brewers that was the thing they don't did their their season as much as anything was guys missing time so maybe if that's part of the reasoning there let's just cut ties with these guys and let's try and work out uh picking up some relievers with availability fair for Suter, um, I don't know. It it doesn't feel like it makes a ton of sense. Like I get for what he gives you, there being an element of well, maybe you can get someone cheaper who will do that for you. I don't think the fan favorite thing should be overlooked. Nor do I think, particularly after the hater trade and everything that happened there, just trading the longest tenured guy in the team, uh, trading the the union rep right within the clubhouse they're not they're not completely trivial things either you know 
So I, I think he's someone who, as the season went on, he was really good. Second half of the season was really good. Had some very notable struggles early on. I would have seen him coming back and having an important role and possibly having a better season. Um, I kind of get what they're doing. Like, he's not so talented or so important that anyone's going to be like, what? But at the same time, it is one that when it all shakes out, and that's part of the difficulty right now, is there's a lot to shake out here. We may well look at how the Brewers spent their money, how much money they spent, and just kind of being like, really? You couldn't have you couldn't have just held on to Brent Suter? Like, he, he is going to earn now, was it $3 million next year with the Rockies? Um, and the speed with which all of that was ironed out does speak to, I guess, what teams around the league think of Brent Suter, whether that is just strong veteran presence, really smart guy, just the kind of person you want around if you're trying to build a good culture and win baseball games. So I I don't know. Like it's not one where I'm furious about it, but it, it is a little bit curious. Like that's a it feels like that's a decision that has to be made with some kind of calculations beyond just, oh, this is just a reliever. It's time to move on from him. Like there, there are other things that should figure into that. And I am assuming they did for Matt Arnold. And that's kind of interesting in its own right. If he's like, let's, let's really set, let's really hit reset on this, you know, and let's, let's shake things up more than maybe a lot of us were expecting. Cause that is, that's a pretty big shakeup, particularly to the bullpen. I mean, there are long tenured starters. I'm pretty sure Woody is now the longest tenured brewer, um, but not the bullpen. I mean, I know that's not unusual around baseball, but for a team that had a lot of stability in the bullpen, you're now like, oh, well, Devin's still there, and that's kind of it. Yeah, uh, it's clear that in the middle of that bullpen, they are, and in, and in some of the late innings, they're going to rely on some guys that stepped up last year um, that we didn't expect to see much of that will now have much larger roles. Peter Strzelecki looking at you, uh, and we'll talk about him later. Uh, but they're also seemingly trying to just swap in a whole new regime and do a line change and just add a bunch of guys into the middle of that bullpen and see what shakes out. That is evidenced by a move that I really liked that they made in the aftermath of all this or during i can't remember the timing and all this but uh they acquired javi guerra from the tampa bay rays for a player to be named later the rays had sort of a, a 40 man roster crunch come up to them with the, a lot of guys that needed to be added to the 40 man and had, they had to make a lot of tough decisions and there were some pretty decent players to be had and guerra is one of those converted infielder that has been working himself into becoming a uh, reliever since 2019 um, has had some ups and downs in that process last year. I, when uh, I first saw the name, I was confusing him with someone else, and I'd forgotten that I'd seen this guy throw five times <laughs> last season um, and that he's very projectable and uh, someone to be you know, hopeful and excited about. Had a 174 ERA um, in the minors last year with the Rays last year, had a 338 ERA and a handful of innings, um, so not a, a ton of uh, – not a ton of major league experience last year, but seemed like he was really figuring something out. I think uh, he's going to be 27 this year. Has a three-pitch mix, relies mostly on a heavy 
uh, sinker. And his slider also throws a four-seam fastball. High 90s, wipeout slider, just has electric stuff. If he can harness some of that command, he could be someone that is devastating in the middle of that bullpen and someone that makes uh, some of the losses and some of the tough decisions make sense. Uh, but obviously no guarantee there as it has been uh, ups and downs as he's gone from infielder to reliever. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to, to read any of this stuff about Guerra, but definitely a lottery ticket that um, I'm very cool with buying. I mean, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, uh, this is, I guess, my first real offseason of keeping track of the moves. I know we always talk about the bullpen and relievers as flyers. That is very, very much the way it's been going for the Brewers so far. And... Is that should we just expect the Brewers offseason to continue in that way generally? Like, are we gonna be learning something about Matt Arnold that he is very much a okay? Well, my hands are kind of tied financially, I'm in a smaller market, so I'm gonna keep buying lottery tickets and maybe they'll pay off, which is fine. But I mean, the other part of this is we saw the damage, uh shaky bullpen which is probably generous for certain times of the season did to the brewers last year that i i just wonder are we gonna get some really solid proven steady where it's like okay well we know what that guy can do we've got a real kind of body of work there there's years of evidence not that that will always hold up for anything in a reliever but as to what what they can be or do you expect that by the time we come around it's opening day we're looking at a bullpen that really outside of Devon again, it's like, oh, it's just, it's all flyers. Like, we hope there's something here. We hope Strezlecki looks like he did last year or better. But that's something that, considering just how important it is, is really an area that hurt the Brewers last season. I am a little bit nervous about seeing it unfold. Am I right to feel that way? Am I wrong? Is this just how bullpens are constructed? For the most part, this is just how it works with the bullpen. I mean, They've they've got the hardest thing to find, and they've got their lockdown elite closer in Devin Williams. So having him to kind of build in around the edges is is the way. It's a good way to approach this. The problem with relievers is that other than making a trade, um, there's especially this season. There's not a lot of proven commodity commodities out there. There are a few that I would like for them to be in the ballpark of, of going after, but I think the price ranges will, will push them out of this. I mean, just for an example, um, I mean like guys being listed in like, okay, here are veteran reliever, relievers that are the, like the, the top 10 or the top five guys on the market. Taylor Rogers is often in the top five of those lists. And I would think that you and I would agree. Taylor Rogers is not a proven commodity. Taylor Rogers is one of those up and down guys who's had moments of success in his career and moments of real struggle, uh, real struggle being last season uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, other guys on the market that are interesting and, but still not like certainties because I've seen them have bad seasons. Adam Adovino, who's 37, but has had times, uh, with the Rockies, with the Mets, with the Yankees, where he's been a shutdown reliever and then struggling seasons with uh, the Red Sox and, and people like that. Kinley Jansen, 35, 
um, through 3-8 ERA last year. Probably going to stay in Atlanta or maybe go back to the West Coast. Who knows? There just aren't a lot of... Um, and, you know, Edwin Diaz, who got locked up by the Mets, they, they were never going to be in the market for someone like him. Uh, throwing out big money um, on the bullpen on proven commodities commodities is just, I don't know, it's it's a tough tightrope to walk. So I, I like the approach of, um, I like the approach of taking chances on guys like Guerra, but I also think, and this is something we'll talk about in a minute, there was some missed opportunity to potentially uh, add to the bullpen via a trade. Um, but like, I definitely want them to stay away from guys like a Chapman or, um, which is a rumbling, but supposedly they yeah, might be. I don't know if there's anything to Bill, that. I just Bill saw it Ripken on a is, is not somebody that's going to have any sort of Intel, but the if one, it, if the that one other happens, thing I'll though, eat my words, the one other thing like that I have been thinking with some of these news is could they really just, move away from what their approach to the bullpen was last year, which was they had a bullpen full of guys who were going to give you single innings. So it became something that was a real challenge for them. One, when they got injuries, but two, any bad start, you're putting yourself in a deep hole. And part of this would require much improved health, but maybe they could feel like, you know what? We deserve a healthier season for our pitchers this year. So you've got Corbin Burns, you've got Brandon Woodruff, You'll have Freddie Peralta. You've still got Eric Lauer. Um, Adrian Hauser is back. You've got Aaron Ashby. Uh, we want to add Eaton Small to someone who's in the mix. Like, there are guys, depending, and there's also been a trade, which we will get to, which may also add to this. They have quite a lot of guys who could be a fifth to sixth starter, where some of those have got to go into the bullpen. And their approach may be best worked as, oh, we've got three of these guys, four of them even potentially with the way the numbers work out, who are bullpen guys who could give us two to three innings. Because that's you're right, the hardest role is obviously to have your closer. My concern, though, is still, okay, how do you bridge the gap to Devon? Um, don't just... Because, look, that is also... We know how scoring works. It's like the scoring is coming in that spell of the game. Like it's it's kind of the area where they're filling in the blanks. It's like, yeah, it's great. Corbin or Woody giving you six, six innings with no runs or, you know, seven with a couple of runs. You're going up against the, the opposing team starter, too. It's like where you really want to turn a game round is in that stretch where you're kind of bridging between innings seven and eight, we'll say in particular. And... I would hate to see the Brewers at a disadvantage there, but I wonder, is that where, for example, I know we advocated for Eaton Small looks like a guy who could do with them kind of just reprogramming how they think of him and just being like, yeah, maybe he could be a really good reliever. Maybe that's better use for him with his pitch mix. Um, Aaron Ashby, with his extension, it seems like he's a lock to be a starter next year. So with that then, okay, Adrian Hauser should probably be back in the bullpen. Do you think there is anything to that? And we may see them take an approach that was very foreign to them last year. Because honestly, I can't think of too many teams I saw across the course of the season that were less likely to have a middle reliever give you multiple innings. Like it just, it wasn't something the Brewers did really. Um, if they did, it was because everyone was injured. And if there was one guy who was really comfortable where you'd kind of assume it's a normal thing, it was probably Suter and he's gone now. 
Well, it was something they did to begin the season, and which was something that you and I were big fans of, and that was Aaron Ashby as a two to three inning swing man rather than in the rotation. And he seemed very suited for that role. And then that's just not something that's going to be a factor anymore. It seems like obviously the extension, he's going to be in the rotation. They view him as a a starter. And I think they're going to give him um, some leash to to fail there before considering moving him back into a bullpen role. So is there a guy that can do that? I think Hauser is definitely a, a, a candidate. Small, definitely a candidate. Other than that, I don't think I know enough about any of these new additions to to know if that's something that they'll think about with them. Guerra doesn't seem like it. He seems like an empty the tank. I'm going to throw high 90s for for one inning, and that's going to be my role. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see. It it sounds like, not to jump ahead here, it sounds like junk could be kind of that, even in what they're describing him as. Like they're describing as potentially a starter. It's kind of like, okay, well, run the numbers there, unless you know something we don't know, Matt Arnold, which is very possible. Um, he may have a different view of who's around to be a starter by the time the season starts. Like, yeah. again, he, he would seem like someone where you're like, okay, well, maybe he can give us multiple innings in the bullpen. That's a perfect transition to uh, the next thing we'll talk about because it does factor into um, what the pitching and the bullpen looks like this year. Um, the Brewers last night, thankfully, one of the other things I'm thankful for is the Brewers making a trade the night before we're planning to record a podcast and not uh, directly after, like with the Mark Adonazio Q&A. Uh, this was timed much better. I think everyone wanted to get the business done and settle in for Thanksgiving. Uh, I, think we faked, I think we faked out the Brewers because we had originally planned to record this pod a night earlier, which would have put us in that spot. Maybe word got to the Brewers. Then we canceled, and here we are. It all worked out. Yes, it did. Um, Yes, it did. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Uh, so Hunter Renfro traded to the Los Angeles Angels uh, for three pitchers, Jansen Junk, Elvis Piguero, and Adam Simonaris. Uh I think Hunter Renfro was always the guy that we thought was the most likely to be traded out of the core players. He's got one more year of arbitration uh, left where he's projected to earn $11.2 million. Had a really good year for the Brewers last year. Did miss some time due to injury. And he his profile was like that of a lot of hitters in this Brewers lineup. Uh, a lot of power, a lot of swing and miss. Um, so... You know, they'll miss his contributions, but they've got a wealth of outfield talent coming up from Nashville. So there was always going to be a log jam somewhere. They've used this as a organizational depth improvement of pitching in bulk. Uh, I, I've seen most underwhelmed by the return, and I get that. Uh, I was hoping for something. Excuse me. There it is. The one call for the day. Um, when we do these in the morning, it gets tough. I was hoping for something more like the Teoscar Hernandez return from the Seattle Mariners, where they get um, reliever Eric Swanson, so like a guy that you know can slot into your bullpen right away, and then they got a prospect, Adam uh, Mako, who's uh, So I was hoping more for Major League Ready reliever slots into your bullpen right away with zero question marks. Obviously, like we said, Relievers are always going to have some question marks, but you know what I mean. Kind and... of a Brad Boxberger replacement, which is something it... we're missing. Exactly. And then maybe like a high upside uh, guy in the lower minors who you're projecting on. That's what I was thinking more for the Renfro return. This seems like more bulk organizational depth with the pitching. Jan- uh, J- Jansen Junk, as you mentioned, um, has been a starter uh, throughout the minors. Four picks, Mitch. Mit- four-pitch mix, say that five times fast, um, but not much success at the major league level. Um, his pitch, 24 and two-thirds big league innings, had a, a 4.86 ERA career in AAA, and he's 27 years old, so he's not really a projectable prospect. Elvis Paguero, uh, a reliever, a guy that um, will be in the mix to, to win a job in the bullpen. Had a 9-1-5 ERA in 19 and two-thirds big league innings last year. Seminaris, uh, uh, a left-hander, uh, got all the way up to AAA last season, and uh, performance was not great. Matt Arnold, quoting from Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, we felt like we were dealing from a position of strength by trading Hunter Renfro. He believes all three of the pitchers he acquired will impact the MLB roster in 2023. On Jansen Junk, Arnold says, good young arm, four-pitch mix, and a solid young starter. We believe that he has a chance to compete for a spot in our rotation, potentially has shown flashes and moved through the Angels system. I don't know that I buy that, that he's going to compete right away for a spot in the rotation. To your point, he could be that multi-inning reliever, or he's the break-in in case of emergency arm in Nashville so that you don't have to rely on a bullpen game if you uh, see a big bulk amount of injuries late in the season like we saw overall i you know i've 
stated that I'm a little underwhelmed and the package that I wanted uh, was not the package that they got. And this is a what's next trade for me. So, Yeah, this is a really obvious just like, I don't know, competent roster building trade. And it was so obvious that I was calling for it from quite a way out, which is just you had to move on from Renfro. It's clear with the depths of talent you got in the outfield. Um, but also, it, yeah, it seemed like an area where you could have plugged the gap and done something that was, as you said, maybe a little bit more impactful in an immediate sense. To be pragmatic about it, though, we know that the big weakness of the Brewers farm system is pitching. Um, that doesn't just matter for like the roster and year-to-year progression. It also matters for trying to make any kind of deals. They're stocking up, and it is a trend that we're seeing. I they're not getting anything overly exciting, which is to be expected given what they're trading, but they are gradually kind of reinforcing what was an area of weakness in their system. I think that's something that's going to be interesting to kind of watch develop and unfold over the next couple of years. Yeah, what comes next, though, is interesting because in theory, this should be like, this should be the move that really opens things up for Joey Weimer because he is the guy, if you're like Hunter Renfro's gone, and you're going to replace him. Weimer is the one of your outfield prospects who has flashed real power, has an absolute gun of an arm, which is something that they will really miss from Renfro. I don't know if we'll, we'll miss watching Renfro try to like get his bearings under a high ball in the corner, but we'll certainly miss when he caught it, what he was able to do from there. Um, Weimer's not on the 40-man right now, though, and based on how they're managing contracts and flexibility and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if I should expect that to change. You might have a better read on that than me. Um, but look, I I think it makes sense. You've cleared salary. The, now the question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to do anything? And if, when, again, could be as late as, because remember, the Brewers had to make moves right up till the opening game of the season last year. But let's let's say if we're we're judging them as opening day is upon us, and it's like okay, well they've done a good job of spending the hunter rent for our money in whatever means that could be, like whether that is someone that they're going to get in free agency or money that they take on via trade, or even if it's got into a pool to uh, work out some extensions for players we'd like to see long term, whatever that ultimately proves to be, like if we see that money go back into the team in a way that is going to make them better immediately or is going to kind of shore them up in the long term, I think it's it's a good decision. It's a move that had to be made, but we just have to fully to fully judge it. You've got to wait and see what the next domino to fall is. Yep, exactly. I mean, we could be in a situation in spring training where it's like uh, good old-fashioned competition for spots. Like it's... Uh like it's tryouts you've got ruiz weimer freelich mitchell four guys for two spots there's also tyrone taylor still there could he be someone that's either in the mix or on the move to help acquire other talent who's to say uh yeah it's a wait and see thing i personally think that with the with the contract savings here it, it makes a lot of sense to use this money to make a meaningful upgrade at dh um there are guys there that can be had that would be better than than what the brewers did last better, year better than nothing 
well, you know, Andrew McCutcheon uh, was uh, was a really nice guy, and <laughs> he was a nice guy. I, even <laughs> just the idea of him as the age had just kind of worn off and run its course. Like, if they're gonna get a DH, right? I'd like them to get a DH who we can actually feel comfortable. They are a designated hitter. Not that we just don't trust them in the field. Like, I I do think there is a a distinction to be made there. Let's get someone who you're looking to kind of manage the miles and the clock over the course of a season because they just hit bombs, as opposed to someone where we're like... They're really old, so they're unplayable in the fields. We can only put them here and hope that they have some sort of pop left. I've been trying to manifest a Yandy Diaz trade all offseason, and it has not happened to this point. Um, but, you know, if if Matt Arnold, if you're listening, you're still trying to call in, uh, see see what the Rays want for Yandy Diaz. Uh, 31, had a 401 OBP last year in 558 plate appearances tell me that wouldn't look good slotted in the middle of this lineup it would um yeah so we covered a lot of ground here uh players going in players going out and it's like we've gotten to the end of one chapter and we're waiting to see what the conclusion of this book looks like might be a while before a next flurry of moves unless uh you know gms are and presidents of baseball operations and chief baseball officers in the case of the Boston Red Sox are talking uh, transactions over Turkey. Who knows? You have any more thoughts or should we move on to the bullpen? We've done a lot of talking about the bullpen. I guess I should. We talked about junk. Uh, we talked about Seminaris in, in terms of what their makeups look like. Uh, Piguero is seems to be in the Javi Garam mold where he's got a high 90s heavy sinker and then a wipeout slider. So we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, another lottery ticket in the middle of the bullpen. He seems Junk probably has the the quickest path to the team just because of where he is in his development. He's already made starts in the major leagues. But it seems like if, if one of these guys is going to surprise and and turn into something more than that in the bullpen, it might be Paguero. But who knows? Um, any other thoughts on the the week that was and the transactions that were, Adam? I think the one other thing that we haven't talked about is um, the other players the Brewers protected for Real 5 and added to the 40-man roster. We'll see how that develops and what's really kind of of substance there. But uh, Cam Robinson, Abner Uribe, and John Singleton, right? He could be your DH, Andrew. Um, yep. and Terang, he's not going to be my DH. Don't say that. No, um, Terang is the one where I think that one is self-explanatory. But like, there's there's reason for legitimate, I think, intrigue with Abner Uribe and Cam Robinson, and um, Matt Arnold is certainly talking up those elements of it. John Singleton, I think, is a nice story, albeit I don't know what that really says in a greater sense for the Brewers. Uh, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on those moves. Uh, Uribe and Robinson, two guys that will almost certainly, if they're healthy, get at least an inning in the bullpen over, over the course of the next year. Um, Singleton, maybe. I think uh, the most likely scenario with him is he starts the season with Nashville again and is a mainstay in the Nashville lineup. And from time to time, if, if in a pinch, especially if, like Rowdy were to 
spend some time on the IL. He could find himself um, in the lineup from time to time. It's a nice story the way he's um, gotten his career back on track. Uh, another name, uh, the Brewers agreed to a minor league deal with Tobias Myers. Uh, so another uh, pitcher who uh, struggled last year across uh, three levels of the minor leagues, or, or no, three teams in AAA, sorry. Uh, Columbus, Sacramento, and and Charlotte. And his, his ERA was 7.82 across uh, 76 innings pitched. Had a, a one in fifteen record, and that was in twenty two starts. So, uh, will he factor into things? Doesn't look like it. But just another move that I forgot, just because there were so many moves. I like Terang to to be in that Jace Peterson uh, Swiss Army knife role, playing across a lot of different positions. Uh, that's something that's really exciting for the for the baseball nerd in me. And well, then... one thing on that, one thing on that that we should also mention is. Uh, there have been multiple reports that Seattle really have their eyes fixed on Colton Wong. And I, I know that was something we talked about when he came back too, that, you know, it is possible he could go back and be traded. Um, but picking up that option may not be what it seems ultimately, but that's just interesting. I mean, with Bryce, like Bryce's role in a lot of ways could end up more prominent than it even seems right now. Like the utility role is obvious, but there is, they, the utility role may need to be uh, put into use on closer to a game-to-game basis. Just a, a what infield spot it is, I guess, would be the question. Well, Adam, Colton Wong flipped to Seattle for relief help as I'm as I wanted. There's a Brandon Drury-sized hole in the infield there. You know, him and Arias can both play third and second base. <laughs> there's the aforementioned Yandy Diaz. It's just there's so much room for activities, or it's Bryce Durang opening day second baseman. There are a lot of options there. Um, I'm excited Just, to see Ab- Abner Uribe throw 100 miles an hour as well. I, I don't think I mentioned that. Uh, just on the, what I was saying about Joey Weimer, I am right on that, that the Brewers are managing some some contract shenanigans, right? That is why he's not currently on the 40-man, and they will look to keep him off the 40-man for as long as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's also the case with uh, Freelick, right? He's not on the 40-man, is he? And uh, no, and the interesting thing with the 40 man right now is uh, it's very thin in the outfield. You've got Garrett Mitchell, Estevri Ruiz, Tyrone Taylor, and Christian Yelich. Yeah, I mean, there could be more shakeups yet to come because some there of those outfielders be. are going to need to be um, made. And that's a Will John Singleton get shipped out to make room kind of a thing that's been on my mind as well, is even after he was added. I've seen some. Um, Brewers blotters speculate on that as well. And we're, Basically, we're, also, we're, tra- we're we're back in four catchers on the forty man territory yeah. too. Um, four catchers. If you've got four catchers on your forty man, Andrew, have you really got a catcher at all? I think that's a valid question for the twenty twenty three Milwaukee Brewers. Now you're now you're sending me into my wish casting mode again. Sean Murphy, Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk. We can we can trade an outfielder for one of those guys. Two birds, one stone. Uh, yeah, so we're trying to put a puzzle together blindfolded, and eventually the puzzle will be uh, put together for us, and we can talk about how we think the pieces look. Uh, but all in a baseball offseason. 
the roster so much bit bigger adam i know you're you're used to the nba offseason things come fast and furious i think i was on a live stream with you during uh the first day of free agency this year i, I don't That's know right. this has been a this year's been a blur we got some great rohan Cotty moments out of that uh listen to the winning six podcast and the Eurostep podcast uh on your podcast feed of choice Moving on, uh, we talked a lot about the bullpen and some of the changes in the bullpen. Now we're going to review the 2022 bullpen. And I think I have found a way to navigate this. Listen, I've got to sort it. I've got to sort it. So the first guy that I see who played meaningful, uh, meaningful innings from the bullpen is Jason Alexander. Will we start there? Um... Nope. Uh, <laughs> what, I think we should start what, with Brad Suter. I think Suter. Yeah, is... I, I was I was sorting top down based on innings pitch, but where do we want to draw the line? I I think do we, we need... can do some judgment because there are probably some guys who have fewer innings than some other guys who are actually relevant. I mean, I, I my general thing here would be let's go quickly through these guys. Yeah, let's um, stop touring. But but let's let's cover as many as possible. Because uh, by way of the way the Brewer season went, there's quite a lot of significant bullpen guys. Quite a lot. At one point or another, it may just have been for a brief moment, but there were plenty of relievers who uh, they took up at least a little bit of our attention. They did. Jose Arana. Um So we'll start with Suter and work our way down, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh do you want to start on Suter or should I? We're saying our goodbyes here. This is a this is like our morning segment. Yeah, we're we're saying our goodbyes. I think we actually this is a very quick one because we we touched on a lot of it and really talking about them. Some real struggles early in the season. Um possibly a post post baby bump for Brent Brent Suter, which I know is something that in, in golf is talked about a lot. Guys go, they have a kid, they come back with perspective, they talk about perspective, they win tournaments. Some of that for Brent Suter, where he definitely found something, and he gave the Brewers some quality outings later in the season. Uh, his three seven eight ERA is not exactly what you want, but I I think there's there's some more nuance to that one twenty WHIP. Like I think he was good on the whole. I think he he netted out as a positive for the Brewers. I will probably go C plus. I, I think it's just slight slight positive with his second half of the season probably being like a B, but he was he was very bad earlier in the year. Uh I was I was thinking B minus C plus. I think the bulk in the innings is is what pushed it over the edge for me. And it was kind of exactly what I expected from Suter in this season, this stage in his career. Um but I don't feel like fist fighting over it. Uh C plus sure? is probably fair. It's slightly above average. I think C plus is fair. All right. Hobie Milner. We got the Hobie next. If we work down by innings pitched. Yep. That's who I had next. Uh Hobie's an interesting one. Because I think he's a guy that we weren't expecting much from at all. Mm-hmm. Had a five four zero ERA the year before and eight one zero ERA in the COVID season had really been bad since his rookie year in Philadelphia. And this year he throws 64 and two thirds innings with a three, seven, six ERA. Um, 
and what had a he was always coming in to clean up messes. Obviously, there he had some blips on the radar in the middle of the season towards the end of the season, which uh, took his ERA to a point that it was higher or that it ended up higher than it. It looked like it was trending for a lot of the year, but he got out of a lot of messes. He was overall a very reliable option in the bullpen. And again, he pitched a lot of innings on a team that needed a lot of innings. I was leaning BB minus, which may sound high now that we gave Suter the C plus, but I think just, I don't know, Hobie becoming as reliable as he was, uh, was really valuable for the team. No, I'm with you at B. Uh, I think not to revisit uh, our arguments, which has gone down in podcast lore from the last episode, but I, I do think the context of who he is and what we're expecting from him and what you get out of him is really important. And I also think for Hobie, let's not forget that he was essentially a magician for a few months where he just was constantly getting the Brewers out of the worst jams. He was inheriting the worst kind of situations and he was stranding runners. So I I don't even think, I don't think his numbers fully reflect like his, his impact on games. I think just part of that, that just kind of gets lost. And also he really fell off hard towards the end of the season. He had some major issues and that kind of takes some of the shine off it. But I, I think based on what we were expecting, like, were we expecting him to last the season to be someone who they wouldn't have cycled through or that they wouldn't have kind of sent back down to the minor leagues? I, I really don't think so. That's the way we were thinking of him early in the year. So for him to become one of the one of the relievers who we trusted, one of the relievers that in honesty, he performed about as well as anyone in high leverage situations. I, I think a B is fair. B for Hobie Milner. Brad Boxberger, who we have likely said goodbye to. Thoughts on Brad Boxberger, Adam? Adam. I was disappointed with Box's season overall. I think I've been pretty clear on that. It felt like the wheels were coming off for quite a long time, and maybe they didn't fully come off. So he certainly didn't have his best stuff to help the Brewers in their chase for the playoffs. But after a really strong start, um, it was definitely something that, like, we we don't need to go through what they lost with Hater. Well, we do. We'll get to Hater in a while. Um, but that was also a factor when you look at where the bullpen was to start the season when you could hand the ball off the box and you're like, okay, we're good from here because Box will take care of his, Devin will take care of his, and Josh will take care of his. So... I don't know, for me, and again, this is tied to expectations as much as anything, I'm trending low. I I think a C is probably fair because his numbers ultimately paint a pretty good picture. But my feeling is to go lower and to go C- minus because I, I was disappointed. This is one of the proven guys on the team. This is one of the guys that really the Brewers needed to hold the bullpen together and give his best. And it was not always like that for Brad Boxberger. But you may you may disagree and feel like I'm being way too harsh. But I, it's something that has just been I've talked about on the pod throughout the season. It was just kind of rankling with me. It's like this guy looks like he's living on the edge right now, and we saw it get away from him on a few notable occasions. Uh, I was B minus C plus. Uh, the three five seven FIP. 
and the 1.234 whip indicated that he was getting very fortunate with some of the traffic on the bases not scoring. Um, sometimes he had his messes cleaned up for him. Sometimes he cleaned up his messes himself, like when he walked the bases loaded, I think it was against the Mets, and then struck out the side or whatever happened in that game. Uh, but at the end of the day, in terms of run prevention, he still ended up with an ERA below three. So I think because of the expectations and what we may have expected from him and how the wheels fell off at the end, the dip in fastball velocity, it's obvious that the Brewers are moving away from him for a reason is because they think the wheels are about to fall completely off. I think we meet in the middle at a C plus just because he, he did. And, he, and again, 64 innings pitch the two. I just can't get past the two nine five ERA to go completely. But what about your eyes, Andrew? What about your eyes? Yeah, but it's, it's also about results I, and he, you know, got people out. It looked shitty and sometimes it, it worked out more often than not. Yeah, I, I think he got a lot of help. That's I look all what what did we give Sooner? C plus. Look, I'll I'll concede ground here. I'm I'm noble and dignified and I, I won't I won't get into a fight with you over this. Uh C plus we, four. What did, what did, I definitely wouldn't have him in the B's, I think would be way too No, much I don't fun. Yeah, I don't think he's in the B's. I think the underlying numbers are enough to knock him out of the B's. Devin Williams, the talisman of the bullpen, to use a soccer term because we're in World Cup mode. Um, and that's the kind of guy Devin is, too. Yes, he is. Um, great season out of Devin. Uh, 65 games, 60 and two-thirds innings pitched. All-star game appearance. Um, had that stretch of scoreless innings in the middle of the year. Um, started the year off a little shaky with command and with walks, but I think he, he settled in to be the the ace of the bullpen that they needed him to be um, a little, some, some hiccups here or there after the hater trade, but eventually settled in 15 saves on the year. I was thinking a, a minus for him just because I mean that one, nine, three ERA 2.01 FIP ended up settling down after the tough start to the season. And he's there. They're nailed on bullpen ace uh, that they're going to count on for the foreseeable future. And uh, I think Devin is that guy. Yeah, I'm happy to go with an A. Um, I I think he may have been the Brewers' best pitcher over the course of the season. I think that would add up in our grading. We didn't, don't think we had A's last week. Um, the reason I say that is because I think he had quite a lot thrown at him. He struggled early in the season. He was obviously coming back after what was not only an injury to recover from, but was also quite a humiliating end to a season last year. Something that definitely would have embarrassed him. Left a sour taste in his mouth, left a sour taste in the organization's mouth, and a sour taste in the fans' mouth. So he was coming back with a point to prove. It was an adventure early in the season. Talk about a guy who uh, liked to get his blood racing, liked to really perform. That was certainly how it was early in the year. But his outings got a lot cleaner as the year went on, a lot more stress-free. That first All-Star appearance is very much a big deal for him, and you could see that. That was something that gave him even more confidence. Um, There certainly was a drop-off post-hater trade, and he was one of the more downbeat people. Um, publicly in talking about that trade but then that 
pushes him into a new role. It makes him the closer. And I think on the whole, he came to own that just as well as he had as a setup man prior to that point in the season. So I think overall, like I think only Corbin Burns had a had a lower whip than him. Just really, really good stuff. Um team best in ERA as well. Just a an absolutely brilliant season um from Devin Williams. And honestly, based on the conversation we were having earlier and kind of how they're they're putting this bullpen together. The kind of thing that the Brewers likely just need to bank on continuing to happen. And if it doesn't, that would be a major, like, catastrophic problem because they may not be kind of set up to survive that. Next up on the list, uh, Trevor Gott, which is a tough one because it seemed like it was going in, in such a positive direction and injuries and misfortune kind of let that go astray eight and a third innings pitch in april with a 216 era and then uh a really good stretch in august and september where he didn't give up an earned run in august 225 era in september but all the other months were a struggle finished his season with um how many innings pitch? 45 and two-thirds innings pitch and a 414 ERA, uh, 445 FIP. And now he's been non-tendered. I think uh Gott was a guy that was thought to be a a pitching lab project. Uh and there were some good and some bad. I know you and I both thought that probably should have given that another chance, but that was not the case. Eileen uh, CC minus for his season. Interested to hear your take. Yeah, I think I go C. Um, and I I kind of feel bad about it too because he's one. If you wanna you wanna ignore your eyes and look at the numbers, uh, the one hundred three whip for Trevor God is certainly telling us something. And I mean, it, home runs became his problem. We know that he became something of a homer threat. Um. 45, over 45 innings pitched, though, again, relative to what we expected for him, is really impressive, and that's been missing a lot of time. Like, if Trevor got, hadn't got injured when he did, which was also right around when he was playing some of his best stuff, he would have been right up there in the mix for the leader innings pitch from the bullpen. Um, I'm actually surprised, because he did miss, like, relatively meaningful time on a couple of occasions the fact that his workload is up there i think does speak to some of his value and he wasn't just like an innings eater when they're getting absolutely torched that wasn't his role at all he was someone who they trusted it definitely tailed off i think you've got to factor that in i think that will land them at a c but i he had some good stuff there was some good stuff there and he may have been a project that like, if they felt he was worthwhile in the first place, I struggled to see what it was they saw that made them be like, no, he's actually not worthwhile to take another look at. Because I think overall, it's kind of the pieces were there. If you could tighten a few things up and get some breaks with his health, there could be a much better season waiting for him next year. So that's something that kind of interests me. C for Trevor Gott. Uh, I, yeah, I, 
I can't help but wonder if it's for health reasons. But then again, despite the injuries, 45 and two-thirds innings pitch, run it back one more year. You know that your bullpen is is thin, and it's an area that you're trying to improve. You're Why taking you... shots anyway. Like, yeah. punt them into the moon, into the sun, maybe. The moon is less harsh. Um, <laughs> a couple of months into the season, if it's not going well. But I, I do find it slightly curious that they're not taking their look. Well, this next one, you might need to talk me down, Adam. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I don't uh, know if I want to talk you down. Well, you take the lead, and we'll we'll see. Yeah, Peter Strzelecki, 35 innings pitched, uh, 283 ERA, became a guy who looks to factor in heavily into the bullpen this year. He could replace Boxberger and be an upgrade in that seventh inning role this year. I can see it. Maybe he's going to be the setup man. Who knows? Peter Strzelecki. Uh, I was in like the the A minus range for Peter because he came out of nowhere and was like, what? What is this bullpen ERA? Did he have the the second lowest bullpen ERA out of the guys we're talking about? Other than Devin, he did. Two nine four FIP, which suggests you know he's he wasn't uh, getting lucky out there. Uh, I, I'm. I'm a Peter Strzelecki fan, as I uh, often said on the podcast, uh, which is this podcast, the one I'm hosting right now. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. I'm taking too long on these capsules. <laughs> you didn't You didn't actually commit to a grade. You said what you were thinking, but you didn't actually commit to what you want to give. Uh, a minus. That's what I want to give him. I, I think B+. Plus. I, I think getting into the A's... Remember how we graded starters last week too? Well, the the reason why it should be a B plus is because some of these other guys are were throwing sixty innings of relief work, and had he been given the opportunity, would his numbers be worse potentially? I think there is a degree that workload matters, so I agree on B plus. We could see that next season too. I don't want to get too kind of doom and gloom around this, but. You might need to just rein it in a little of Peter Strzelecki. I'm, I like what we saw from him a lot. If the Brewers' plans for him are to be the new Brad Boxberger and take on that kind of load and that kind of prominent role, uh, I hope it works out. But sample sizes matter for a reason, and we're still dealing with a relatively small one. Um, very impressed. I don't want to make it sound like I'm taking anything away. I think he had an excellent season a real kind of discovery out of the blue. He was someone who definitely came up when there's a lot of injuries and he came up to eat some innings and he was actually doing well. <laughs> and they are just like, Oh, I guess this isn't just some guy who sucks who we're going to throw out there to save better arms. And I, I think because of maybe some of the internal kind of scouting or the reputation the Brewers had from with that, it may have taken a little bit longer than it should have for it get, to the point where council's like, yeah, this is a game we want to win against a really good team. This is an important inning, and I'm putting Peter Strzelecki into the game. Um, But we did get there late in the season, and he delivered in those spots. So very, very impressed with him. I think B-plus is fair. Devin is definitely the only reliever. He should be at the A category. But B-plus for Peter Strzelecki is fair. I don't even know where to go with this one. Josh Hader. Adam, thoughts on Josh Hader? 
I think we can't like the the numbers are completely skewed. If we're to take his performance as a whole with the Brewers last season, those numbers are weighted by like three catastrophic games. And I think the volume of absolutely top tier incredible work should not be overlooked. Kind of it's not throw the baby out with the bat water, as the saying goes. I don't know if you got that saying where you are, Andrew. Uh, it's an evocative one. The Brewers may have done exactly that. Like I think that's that's the thing that we saw him come back and be a good contributor in a playoff setting. I know that was something there were always doubts over whether he could do generally, even when he had much tighter control than he did at the time his Brewers tenure came to an end. But did he like did he finish the season? Leading baseball in saves? Probably not because the struggles continued early on, but even if he far off, he was really, really impressive in that department early in the year with the Brewers. And I I think you gotta give him a B. I I I know what the I know his, his ERA is a beautiful tribute to Milwaukee, the four one four. Um Sorry, he's four two four. It was Trevor Gott the four one four. Another reason, like letting go of Trevor Gott's not fair. Uh, but I just, I he was so good. He was on a level that it could be years and years. Like Devin Williams is phenomenal, but the run that Josh Hader had to start the season, we may not see a Brewers closer do exactly that for quite some time. That uh, like. I think it has to be factored in. We know how viscerally bad it got, but it definitely wasn't the whole story of the season. So I'm going to go with a B. Maybe that's unpopular. Maybe you think I'm crazy. I was thinking B minus was where I was leaning because those blown saves, we we were talking the whole season about thin margins and a game you lose in April still could be the factor in what keeps you out of the playoffs. And, uh, the two blowups was it San Francisco and I guess Minnesota back to back. Although Minnesota, mm-hmm. I think they were that were they tied in that game, so I don't they were tied. I think, yeah. So I don't want to put that one on him necessarily. San Francisco was the one that was bad. Uh, I I was always buying the Josh Hader so I can have bounce back. Uh, so for that reason, I'll land with you on B Island because I think had. He stayed in Milwaukee and there wasn't the whiplash of a big trade like away from the organization where you made your big league debut and had a lot of dominant success. And, you know, obviously we saw what that trade did to the clubhouse. I think if they don't make that trade, the hater bounce back that we saw in San Diego uh, happens more quickly. I mean, he had he had put up a run. He had hadn't looked great, but he had had a run of, I think, a few scoreless outings going into the trade. Um, yeah, back to back scoreless outings. Three of his last four had been scoreless, and then he gets traded. Um, yeah, so in in that range, and just because of the the dominant start to the season, I mean, he didn't allow a run until what what was it, June seventh? Yeah. Um, I just just to add to that too, because I think you're right in terms of we were talking, and it proves to be true that you know every game matters. Yeah, he blew a couple of games. Let's even let's give him the Minnesota one. Say let's he blew that too. He also won the Brewers a lot of games, and 
I don't think it's a coincidence. You look at the tear they were on to start the season, the the position they got themselves in where it was just, it was unimaginable that they weren't going to win the division, let alone miss the playoffs entirely. Like that's down to a lot of games that Josh Hader went, did his job and the Brewers won where we got to see it. Like just most other even high end relievers cannot perform at that level. Like you've kind of got to factor in, there will be blow ups here or there. His was bad, and it, it carried over in a really bad way when he got to San Diego, but he got back on course. But like, if he hadn't been playing the way he had to start the season, I don't know if the Brewers are like even remotely in a playoff race. Like, it, it shouldn't be overlooked just how much he helped them to rack up those early wins when he was at his best. And honestly, I think it has been overlooked. I, I don't even think we kind of talked a whole lot about that as the season progressed, and then as the season has finished and we look back at it but it's not like all aspects of the team completely transformed one did very notably and they were managing to win because they had a greater margin for error because there was so much trust in the guy who was closing out games and by the time we're getting taylor rogers in that role or matt bush in that role or whatever it might be that's dissipated and that lost him a lot more games. You may not be able to pin it to one guy, although you could pin it to a couple of guys in the same way. But I, I think the effect is, is equivalent there. Like it's worth saying, yeah, it does matter that he lost some important games and those games cost the Brewers, but the games he won the Brewers must also be highlighted in that. This is going to be a very unpopular opinion. I'm going to I don't know that. if it will. <laughs> I I don't know if it will. It might be. It might be. I don't know. Though. We've been Josh Hader truthers for, for months, so I don't think it's going to come as a surprise to anybody. But the guy is good. I think like, I, I don't know what. I, I, we're not the most Homer podcast. I think that's fair to say. I generally think that's true of uh, all my various podcasts. I have no problem. Uh, crapping on the team that I, I cover in it and we're just trying to take I guess the most honest pragmatic view of it Josh Hader is, is really good yeah he had maybe the roughest spell of his career in the middle of this season but he's good Um, he wasn't just good early in the year for the Brewers he was great he was a crucial cog in the early success they had I'm just sad that's all uh Yandel Gustave. Very, um, very tough one. Very yeah, like injury, splintered, disrupted season. Yeah. Yeah. Like those 28 innings pitched span a long period of time, it feels like. 386 ERA appeared in 27 games. 28 innings, like you said. Um, C minus for me. I was thinking C. C minus works. So, some good stuff in there. Um, but then he got injured. And he was pretty bad early on. I always liked his demeanor. Which may just sound like, okay, who cares? But uh, he was someone who I always felt comfortable with him coming into the game for guys who were certainly lower down in the pecking order when it came to the Brewers' pen. Um, I always felt he's not going to be overawed. He could come and deliver here, and he did on plenty of occasions. 
think things got a little bit walky at one point for him. Um, I don't know, just injuries too. He he could have had a really big season for the Brewers, but he didn't. Next up is a guy who, man, was really trending well towards sure the was. end of the season. And then one day in Colorado, without recording an out, allowing uh, four earned runs, blew up his ERA. Followed that up with two uh, scoreless appearances, uh, one against Colorado again, and uh, one against Cincinnati. Uh, Luis Perdomo. Kind of a very, very weird game log when you're looking at it. 23 and two-thirds innings pitched, 3-8-0 ERA. That one bad outing against Colorado really marring things. Um, I was in the the CC plus range. Would love to get your thoughts. I see minus. Uh, I think same as Gustave. So that's what there wasn't good stuff in there. It's just at a certain point, like injuries again a factor and... I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't really amount to a whole lot in the bigger picture, based on how their their contributions were split. Him and Gustave, I mean, very very close, really, with a lot of numbers. Um, Monte Perdomo was very good at his not allowing walks, three walks in twenty three two thirds innings. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go see that. That will get me to go see. That's a. It's a good number. Trevor Kelly, D D minus. I I don't D minus D minus. He sucks. Um, <laughs> nice guy. Nothing against him. I'm sure. Uh, I I actually don't know. So maybe he's not. But seems a nice guy. No reason to think otherwise. Was rooting for him. One of the many players who was called upon and asked to do a whole lot more. He is the actual. I I don't want to really open this can of worms, but I think the reaction you had like to Jason Alexander. He is very similar in that way and I, I gave them so much less than was pushed out there over and over again and would reappear and you're like we're doing this again really it's trevor kelly time um just not a not a good he's, he's a good obviously these are all good pitchers but he's not a major league pitcher right every and we are rooting for every single one of these people to be good when they're in baseball games but we also can't come on here and lie to you <laughs> they're they're two different <laughs> Excuse me. Two different things there. Um, talk to me about Matt Bush, Adam. Big trade deadline acquisition. You, sk- you skipped over some. Was that intentional? Uh, I didn't intend count- to. They had they had the same amount of innings pitched, but I and but oh, Bush they had... do. We're maybe on different sites because yeah, they were filtered the other way for me. Oh, okay. I'm on Baseball Reference, so we can start with whichever one that you want to start with. No, Matt let's, Bush, start with I... let's start with yeah. Matt Bush. I was just curious talk- if we were skipping someone. Talk to me about Matt Bush. Wow. Where do we start? Uh, We're going to see more of him? That's, I guess, somewhere to start. He's a returning. He's got the stuff, Andrew. He's got the stuff. He can be good. Um, Is he good? I don't know. Um, Definitely some inconsistency there. You can... You can rely on him to get some strikes. Let's see. 11.3 strikes per nine innings. I, uh, I don't know. Homer's killed him. Homer's killed Homer. him. And I don't know if they're going to like not kill him. 
next season. That would be my concern here. Um, like, yeah, you've got a great fastball. It's also really nice to hit, Matt Bush. Uh, if, if someone sees it, like, they are going to hit that one very hard and very far. So, I don't know. I Like, he was good and played important an important role. Like, he essentially became him and Box alternating as the setup guy. But was he good? I don't know. I really am struggling, Andrew. I was thinking C minus. I think that's slightly harsh. You do you? Okay. <laughs> like he was I don't want I, to give him a high grade, but I also don't think he was terrible. Let, let me I'm count I'm really, really, really high on a bounce back next year because of the stuff. But I in grading the performance and the expectations and him coming over from Texas as like the trade like the trade deadline acquisition uh, factors into this as well. That's not his fault, but he followed up some really good performance with Texas with some really not so good performance with the Brewers, but there were some moments there and his stuff is so electric that if you told me he comes out next year um, and puts up a sub three ERA season, I would believe it. So if C minus is too harsh, maybe we we settle in somewhere at around a C. Yeah, yeah, like I want to give him a C plus, but he does not deserve it. So I think C might be a compromise. It's probably still too generous. Like maybe this is just what happens if your stuff is really good, and he did show us enough of that. Um, <laughs> the problem is maybe you're like two pitches out of every tree. You're like, oh look at that stuff, and the third pitch, you're well, like, oh Matt... it's sailing over the fence again. Matt Bush is like the inverse of box for you last season and Jason Alexander for me, where it's like we our eyes are showing us things that we just can't stomach. And then you watch Matt Bush dot 99 on the corner once for a strikeout. And you're like, oh, I like that. I like that. So I think that's why we want to be higher on him, just because that fastball pops and like we we want to believe in it. <laughs> We kind of need to believe in it uh, with how the Brewers bullpen is shaping up right now. Yeah, okay, C. C works. Now now we move on to Taylor Rogers. The main event. Um, I I want to do something. I don't ahead. know, is this, is this mean? Uh, I don't know if this is excessive. <laughs> I want to give him an F. I, I just... This is a this is the definition of a failure. This move, his, where his role ended up being, um, in theory, someone who has good stuff too. I feel like we actually saw a lot less of it than we did with Matt Bush. That's probably also kind of just worth noting. Just didn't have it. Like Taylor Rogers is what the Brewers feared Josh Hader was going to be for the rest of the season, and that is that is the thing that just is really hard to get past. Um, look, we're, we know they didn't trade Josh Hader purely because they were worried there's a drop off, and no, they trade them because they're cheap and they needed to get out of that as fast as they could. And they were panicking just at the thought that they may not be able to save value, and this is the value they got. If they got someone who was, I don't want to say just a little bit more competent, fifty percent more competent, which still would have been pretty flawed. They may have got that wildcard spot. 
you're paining me. Um, I don't even think they needed someone good. Like, if just someone who didn't shit the bed with the regularity that he did, they may have made the playoffs. Well, they tried to sell us on this being like for like. And the same context with, with which I'm judging Matt Bush as a disappointment because, you know, it was building up the bullpen depth then. It's going to be, you know, we lose Josh Hader, but we add Bush, Rogers, and Rosenthal, so we make up for it by having multiple options. And, you know, we've got all this variability. And instead, it was just a complete failure. Again, no ill will towards him as a human being, but his performance was <sighs> terrible. Uh, worth saying, too, like, he, he again, comes across as a nice guy. But he was pretty downbeat. Like, he was very open that he was struggling during his time with the Brewers. And, like, we can all see it. He was struggling. It just wasn't there. So what we say, or is what we're saying is this team needs more assholes. There may be assholes and we don't know about them, which is something we've talked about before. <laughs> and, you know, maybe that's the way to... What if they had more assholes out you and they didn't make the playoffs either? Would we feel better about that? No. So I'm gonna push back on that. But am, <laughs> am I am I the asshole for thinking that Taylor Rogers deserves an F? I like I, I just think if we if we zoom all the way out and obviously we've got we've got the infield and we've got the outfield to, to look at after this too. Is there is there a player on the Brewers roster, is there a guy the Brewers had last season who failed more, like in their role, who was who was worse for what relative to what the Brewers needed them to be than Taylor Rogers was? The the only person I would have compared him to would be um, Kelly. So I was I I was trending D minus. Um, but I'm not gonna fight for a D minus for for Taylor Rogers. Well, D minus might we, just be the nice way of giving an F. I hope we never see him again in a beautiful. I think we give, like, we're giving him an F. I'm I'm digging my heels in. We've got to stand for something. This is unacceptable. It's an F. Perfect. No complaints. Uh, I think we're we're nearly done. I think we're getting. I think. I think Maybe we make, we've got what, one what, more. Although, like, Jake Cousins is next. He's an incomplete. How can you grade right. Jake Cousins? Yeah. Um, uh, Miguel Sanchez also on there. Uh, Maybe not an incomplete, but let's. We don't need to even go there. I mean, Chichi Gonzalez ended up with the bullpen a couple of times. More of a starter. We don't need to revisit that dark time. Uh, F. <laughs> <laughs> Jose Urena, not someone who I enjoyed watching at all, was very glad that he got out of there quickly, and it worked out nicely at the end, because the Brewers did get to face him, where he looked absolutely unbelievable for like three, four innings, and then just fell apart entirely, so that was kind of... Um, Ethan Small, we didn't see enough of in the bullpen, I would have liked... We didn't see him at all in the bullpen, I would have liked to see him there. Jake McGee, oh, that was tough, tough one for Cousin Jake. Uh, a couple of moments there where we're like, oh, maybe. But also the context of like Jake McGee of Matt Bush. I know Matt Bush comes earlier, but Jake McGee is like Taylor Rogers is broken. That's what you get, Jake McGee, and why you're you need him to try and be something. 
Instead, he was just more Taylor Rogers. Um, there's one more A. There's an A plus on this list, Adam. I am aware. <laughs> I didn't know if you were gonna be on top of this one, but I was. So yeah, there was, there was a reliever. Um, and maybe we just don't grade him in another category. We just treat him purely as a reliever, who uh had a zero point zero zero ERA, one point zero WHIP, which you know just narrowly beaten out by Corbin Burns. That actually might be more impressive. The fact that, you know, it's not, it's not perfect. It's not entirely perfect yet. I think there was one walk. One walk. Yeah, one walk. But yeah, when Mike Brasso was on the mound. Good luck, everyone. Relief ace Mike Brasso. Um, a plus, yeah. right, for Brasso. A, a plus for Brasso on the mound. We did get scoreless innings from Jace Peterson and Pablo Reyes uh, as well this season. Um but you know the the two additional does, does Bryce have that level of utility? Like Jace really was utility man. I want to see if Bryce comes to spring training and they're like, oh yeah, where's Bryce today? Is he working out at second, short, third? Is he in the outfield? And they're like, oh, he's in the bullpen throwing knuckleballs uh, to Victor Caratini. That that would be my favorite storyline of the spring training. Uh, other guys with incompletes. Did you mention Luke Barker? Was just sad, obviously. Oh yeah, that's a sad. Got I mean, he gave it. He, we could, he got a beer out of us. He got a master brew he did. point. He did get a beer. Connor Sadzik through three innings. JC Mejia two and a third. He'll be back. Just do we mention Justin Topa seven and a third innings? Is, making is JC Mejia? Is he going to be back? Wasn't that the first move of the Matt Arnold era? Oh, you're right. It was. Mm, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, you're you are forgetting a couple of prominent pitchers who I, I think we should grade for their contributions to the Milwaukee Brewers season. So first of all, we've got Trevor Rosenthal. Yes. <laughs> Incomplete. Uh, Would that be fair for Trevor Rosenthal? I'm giving him a Casper the Friendly Ghost because I can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> He's not real. He's a theoretical pitcher. What about that workout though that the Brewers were at, and you know. They they, they must... didn't act. They liked them so much that they were, they were so dazzled that they couldn't act fast enough. They they let the Giants go and sign him, and then traded for him a week later. The way people talk about that workout is like anytime Roy Williams talks about the first time he saw Michael Jordan. Uh, no, it's like and... <laughs> I, I'm going to speak to the Milwaukee listenership here. It, it's like it's like Ye against the chair. That's that's what that mm. workout is is like. I mean, Trevor Rosenthal, what he showed those scouts that day, legendary status. People are going to be writing oral histories of, did it actually happen? You know, was the chair really there? Um, we're going to have equivalent. Were there really any scouts there? I think for Trevor Rosenthal. What does it did say I... that Ye's contributions to Milwaukee sports were still greater than Trevor's? <sighs> I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, it's not great. That's all I'll say with that. Then Nelson Lamette? Hmm. B plus? It, he did good stuff elsewhere. Yeah. I, I give him a, a what could have been. As Jordan would say, it was my uh, Nelson's lament that he was not able to, <laughs> to throw an inning for the Brewers. 
Wow, that's serious. You're spending a lot of time talking to Jordan Trasky if that's just coming to you that easily. Um, I think that's it. It's not great. The bullpen was pretty grim. Had some guys that we really could count on, had some guys that we couldn't count on at all, and it's going to look a lot different next year, it, it seems. It, it was good timing for all of these moves around the periphery of the 40-man and it being very bullpen-leaving and acquisition-heavy that it was timed with our bullpen review episode. So Yeah, good, good planning on the Brewers' part. Even the trade that's pitcher heavy they're they're looking out for us in that regard all right do we anything have else? anything else we want to say i think uh i think next week we're going to do the infield um or next time we podcast who 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 yeah, knows when week. that will be next week i'll be i'll be full of gravy and ready to review milwaukee brewers infield hey it's got uh each of our two favorite players what will we have to say about them who knows yeah, so to make sure you catch that in all episodes of the pod, go subscribe to Cruising for a Bruising wherever you listen to podcasts. You should also subscribe to all of the Eurostep Podcast Network shows. The Eurostep Podcast Network main feed will get you winning six in the Eurostep. Um, make time for this. We'll get you Andrew and I talking pop culture and all sorts of other things. And Talk of the Tundra will get you all things Green Bay Packers. New episode just gone up there with Numac and Jordan. So make sure you're on top of all of that. Yeah, that's pretty much it. GSPN.info, you'll get the access for all things. I mean, worth noting, uh, Twitter could collapse at any moment, as people on there probably know. So if you want to be able to interact with us, and honestly, I mean, I, I tweet basketball occasionally. and don't do it that much on Twitter. The place where we're most active in talking baseball is our Discord, GSPN Discord, in the Brewers channel, which is really active. It's a hive of activity in there. So if you like this to the pod, if you just like talking brewers with people, go to gspn.info, uh, join up to our Discord, and you can talk brewers. You can also talk books and packers and all kinds of other stuff in there. But I know there are lots of people wanting contingencies in place for where can they go? Where will they get their, their sports talk? Where, where can they stay in touch with people they follow and like to talk to? That for us is certainly a really strong place and great community, a lot of fun in there. So go join the GSPN Discord and yeah to all of our American uh, listeners which I'm kind of assuming might be all of our listeners happy Thanksgiving enjoy the festivities and uh, yes anyone else out there like me enjoy your Thursday go watch some World Cup thanks Andrew thanks Adam